0: Hi, I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories, stories that will cover a broad spectrum of lived experiences, from time and service to the return home and beyond, experiences shared with the hope that all listeners will better understand the sometimes complicated lives of veterans and their families. Thank you for listening to We Happy Few.
1: I want to do a little bit of an introduction. Jason Comstock and I, we have the pleasure of interviewing World War II Navy veteran Keith Gordon and his lovely wife, Beth Gordon. So we're down in Lakeshore. We're at their house. Thank you so much for inviting us in. This is your story. You can tell what you would like to tell.
2: Well, I was born in Provo, Utah, and, uh, my dad and mother lived in Emmett, Idaho, and uh, should I tell them about that? My three other brothers was old enough to get married, and my mother says, Dad, we got to move to Utah to get these girls some good Mormon girls. <laughs> and so Dad says, OK, we'll move down. So they packed up, moved down, and they got to the Utah state line there and just about ready to cross over into Utah and there's uh, some little boys smoking cigars and dad looked at mom and says, Mom, do you still wanna to go to Utah? <laughs> 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 anyway, my mother when we got down to Utah, why Ted was born, my other brother, then B. I went to Lincoln High School there in Orham and played basketball on a, And uh, they drafted me out of high school three months before I graduated.
1: The scuttlebutt says you kind of inflated your age a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did they normally draft people that were younger than 18? Yeah. They
2: send you a draft card. And they said, well, you want to go in the Army or the Navy? And I said, no, I'll go in the Navy.
1: When you got the draft card, what did you think? Had the war been going on for a while at that point? No, not yet. What year was this?
2: Uh, that was in uh, 40, uh, the war started in 41, then. Right. before then. Was the tension pretty high? Yeah, well, all the kids wanted to go, you know. <laughs> they were so mad at the Japanese for what they'd done at Pearl Harbor, you know. So I went in the Navy and went to the boot camp up in Farragut, Idaho. Trained there for about three weeks, and then... Uh, That's where they was built. At that time, they was building my ship up in uh, Portland, Oregon, out of the dry dock and stuff, you know. They shipped us down to San Diego. They had ships down there just like ours, you know. And we trained there for about three or so weeks. And then uh, one night they said, well, we're ready to go over to the Pacific in the war zone. And... uh, One of the guys on the other ship, he says, I'm not going. So he cut some of his fingers off, you know. And so he didn't go. They just give him a dishonorable discharge, you know. We headed out for Hawaii, and we loaded up a fuel there again. Then we headed out into the Pacific, and it was about, uh, oh, four days out, a Japanese plane come over, strafing, you know, and the gunners run him off. I think it's kind of more of a one just checking out what it, we had, you know.
1: What type of a ship were you
2: on? L- USS LCI 747. And uh, it was a troop ship. Yeah, we landed troops on the beach. We hit all the islands from there to the Philippines, you know, but the One of the first islands we hit was Moritai. There was about, uh, I'd say 200 ships with us, battleships and aircraft carriers and everything, you know, uh, LSTs and all them, you know. It was a beautiful sight at night, just seeing all them ships made you feel safe, you know. And the next day, why, on our ship, we had a a big anchor on the back of it, you know, with a cable that reeled out. And about, oh, I'd say a block before we hit the beach, we dropped the anchor out there, you know, and then uh, we'd coast in as far as we could. Sometimes we couldn't get close enough. Other times they'd have to go off like this with the weapons, you know. It was, it was quite a battle that day. The Japanese was really, really hot that day, you know. Uh, I was in the engine room. I told the electrician mate, I says, make me some long cords because I don't want to get caught in the bottom of the ship. <laughs> so he did. I unreeled the hatch, and I went up and just sat there and watched it. Oh, what a battle. And the chaps were just flying all over, and the Americans was knocking them out of the air, and you know, all and stuff. And one time the captain says, don't fire, it's one of ours. And he missed it, you know, it was one of him. He come right over, and I'll bet, uh, I'll bet that that Japanese plane was that close. He dropped that bomb right by the, where I was, and I got all wet, you know. Then I, I watched him, and he tried to get over to the big uh, battleship, but they knocked him out before he got there. He enjoyed watching them, the planes and knock them Japs out of the air, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was hot and heavy, and the captain was yelling, "Get get this ship back off of here!" I won't tell you what he said. So he was yelling, and pretty soon the PT boat come right in back of us there, and he's just waving at us, and it was General Douglas MacArthur, you know. <laughs> But we cleared out of there pretty good. We'd see, just say all engines back full, and then we'd drag it on the anchor and bring us back off the beach. Yeah.
1: During your time in the, in the Navy during World War II, we know now— what a great campaign that was for freedom for the entire globe. Oh boy. Were you guys were you aware of the magnitude of what you were fighting for? Yeah, bet. Did you? I'll say okay. Did you waver between fear and excitement? Or was it just in a mindset that you were doing a job and Yeah, that's just
2: a- mindful that you were doing the job. That's one thing that I always wondered. I never worried about getting killed or nothing you know it didn't bother me you know but it just was our duty you know to do it and then we hauled a hauled a lot of t- uh, troops and yeah all them troops you know that we carried i felt sorry for them because they they was, they had them k rations you know and here us guys on the ship was eating good meal you know and they says, "Boy, oh, that looks good and i says Take this and eat it, and I'll take one of your K-rations. I want to see what they taste like. He says, You crazy? <laughs> but uh, it's amazing how them guys are sitting down and, and crying and uh, and looking at their family pictures. Oh, yeah. And uh, wondering if they're going to make it on the beach or not, you know. There's, it was good soldiers, to you sir. They wanted to get the job done. Yeah.
0: I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches.
1: Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views.
0: That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts.
1: Returning the key story, we will hear more about his naval service during World War II, of meeting Bob Andrews, a fellow sailor who had become a lifelong friend and neighbor, and how his faith and service to his country instilled in him an unwavering sense of pride.
2: Well, we traveled over the equator there at first before we hit, and you know what the equator is. That's where the old old slobbies. <laughs> Get to do the young kids, you know. know. I
0: actually have the letter that they before they hit the equator they sent to all the new
2: guys and said like, beware, like this is coming, and they they
1: addressed it to uh, Cowboy Gordon or something like that. uh, They
2: they called me Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, (laughs) your real name. We had uh, one uh, fellow that uh, his ship got blown out of submarine, blew him out of the water, and he, so he'd come over on our ship, you know. His name was Bob Andrews. He was a tough-looking guy. He'd come out of a home, you know, and, you know smoking a seagull. And uh, he'd ask me, he said... Keith, but you go out on Liberty, and I'd say, yeah, but well, I'll go with you. better no drinking. And so we'd done that all the time. And one time we was coming back to the ship and there was a cross-guard bunch there, you know, and they was yagging us, yeah, you know. And he started after him. I grabbed him. I said, no, no Bob, we're not going to fight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of them fighters, you know. <laughs> he Got in a fight with one of the crew members and knocked him into the captain's cabin. He's quite a guy. And actually, Dad did some boxing when yeah, he was in the Navy, yeah, so you probably would yeah. have had to put up a pretty good I was fight. All, I was the only one that did box with him, you know. We'd just be red all over, did I? I hit him on the jaw, and he said, oh, don't hit me that. I've been broke two times. <laughs>
1: How long were you uh, in the South Seas? The Pacific?
2: I uh, we went to about three years. We hit all them islands, and then we headed towards the Philippines, and that's where the big battle of the Navy was right there, in, in late Gulf. you know. We had a big fogger on the back of our ship that threw a lot of fog, you know. And we'd fog it so the Japanese couldn't see the biggest battleships and stuff, you know. Anyway, back to, to Bob, he, when I got out, he, he says, can I come and see you? And I said, sure, come and see me. And he come walking down the road, and my dad took him under his wing and give him a calf and stuff, you know. He had to go back in the Navy for a little while. He says, can I come back and see you? And I, we, yeah, and he come back, and we got in my date with a girl, and he married the girl, and uh, we had... Three kids, quite the old days, you know. We each bought a 47 Ford car, you know. <laughs> he couldn't buy one after the war, you know. I went down there one day and I said, What the heck are you guys doing? And they had one of them old fly sprayers, you know. He'd paint his car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> so, did
1: you guys live by each other then? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. His whole life. Yeah. Yeah. He got. He <laughs>
2: yeah. joined. He joined the church and
1: gave up the smoking cigars. Huh? He quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. How many kids do you have?
2: I got five boys and one girl, but they're all good kids. All went on missions. Yeah, uh, good.
1: What was but. it like when you came home? Did you come home at the end of the war? Or come home before the end of the war? Uh, we was
2: in a late Golf. Uh, eating dinner when when they dropped the bomb, you know, come over to Intercom, they, uh, they dropped the bomb. We threw our trays over and said, let's go home. <laughs> 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 but that was a little, they had to sign a treaty after that, you know. So, yeah.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how your faith impacted your service?
2: Yeah, I was, before I left, they uh, made be an elder. I never did smoke or drink or anything like that. I'll show you a picture of him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This is the captain right here? Yeah. Look at how young everybody is. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah, there's a good crew. It's amazing what young people can do, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, it you, is. Know.
2: you know, when, uh, when they said that the missionaries, didn't think they'd do a very good job at eighteen and I said, Well if I guess guys could go at eighteen and they can do a good job too.
1: I think it's it's interesting how we will tell our kids that they're they're not capable of doing something yeah. until they need to go fight. Yeah. Then that's, they're capable that's, of doing right. it. <laughs> you know? And you served with them all through your tour? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same group of people. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. When you see this, when you dig this out uh, out of the albums, how does it make you feel?
2: I felt pride, yeah. I, wanted, I was so happy to be doing it. When I first went in, I walked down in the engine room. That's where they put me, and, and I looked around, and I, I'll put me on deck, I'll swab the deck. <laughs> <laughs> Captain says, no, you'll learn that <laughs> So after, I imagine, about a year, I was over the engine room. He gave me a rank, and I didn't even have to take a test. Ah.
1: <laughs> we as a younger generation, we think the end of the war. We see the, you know, the sailor kissing the nurse in Times Square, and yeah. see the ticker tape parade, <laughs> and you know, iconic moments like that. What was it like for you to come home after the war?
2: Well, I was just happy. Yeah, I wasn't kissing any girls (laughs) until I got wound up. (laughs) And then I met my sweetheart here, Beth. She's been a great example to me. Okay, let's go on with the work (laughs) Yeah, we've been married, well, just about 71 years together.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. Beth, I, just a question for you. Did you notice anything about your sweetheart as a result of his service?
1: I Pr- Proud, almost, to be able to have
2: served his country.
1: And he did a good job, too. Did you have reunions with your shipmates uh, over the course of the years?
2: No, I never have had a reunion. Really? No, no never, never have. I wish they had it. Then. I'd like to have seen them all.
1: Our conversation continued for some time as we looked over precious photos. But before we left, Keith showed us a letter addressed to him from our president at the time, Harry S. Truman. I asked Keith to read it for us.
2: Keith W. Gordon, to whom it answered the call of your country and served it in armed forces to bring about the total defeat of the enemy, I extend the heartfelt thanks of a great nation is one of the nations for the finest. <laughs> you undertook the most severe task one can be called upon to, to f- perform because you demonstrated the fortitude, resourcefulness and calm judgment necessary to cut out the task. We now look to you for leadership an example in future, exalting our countries in peace. Harry Truman.
0: If you or any veteran you know is feeling self-destructive or suicidal, please don't hesitate to use the Veterans Crisis Line by either calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1 or by texting 838-255 or by visiting www.veteranscrisisline.net. This 24-7 confidential service is for all veterans, all service members, the National Guard and Reserve, their family members, and their friends. Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us by email at tips at or on Twitter at loudmouthjason. Check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcast, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Chilton and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.